Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Let me introduce you to our guests, and this is in no particular order. I'm going to begin with Pastor Michael Swain. Pastor Swain is um, the Executive Director of Freedom of Religion of South Africa for SA. Good evening to you, Pastor, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. All right, I think we've just lost that line to the pastor. Moving on to the next guest, Reverend Debo Moema, LGBTI member and leader and a Christian leader himself. Good evening to you, Reverend, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Hi, good evening. How are you? Well, thank you very much, Reverend. Eastern Zanuma is also with us again. He's an evangelist who is a Hebrew Israelite. He's no stranger to the program. Evangelist, good evening to you, and thank you very much for, again, for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, Hello. I... Thank you so much for this privilege to come and uh, share here. Thank you very much to you all. And we will be joined in a short while. Do we have the pastor back on the line? All right, we do have Pastor Michael Swain, who is the Executive Director of Freedom of Religion South Africa. Good evening to you, Pastor, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, and good evening to your listeners. Thank, thank you, you very much, Pastor. All right, let's begin. And I'm going to begin with Reverend Debo Muema. Um, uh, Reverend, you're listening to the question, and I'd like to hear your take on the matter. Um, should several servants be given this liberty, afforded this liberty, because they do have, but should they be afforded this liberty of saying no when they have to marry same-sex couples? A very complex question, I, I believe, um, but also it has simple answer. A simple answer is that everyone should be given the liberty to exercise their rights. And in the context of exercising one's rights, somebody else's rights should not be violated in the process. Everybody has got to have access to equality. And here I'm speaking also as a, an activist, but also as a pastor. Now, if you look at the essence of who God is, God is love, and love is indivisible, meaning that everybody must be accorded equal rights and human dignity. No one has a right to put anybody under the bus because they want to have only their rights and never consider the rights of other living beings who are as important and as human as everybody is. In the light of the, today's conversation, here we, we, we are looking at people who want to be married and people want to celebrate their life regardless of their gender and sexual orientation. All they want is to legalize uh, uh, the union. And somebody else comes and exercises their own personal prejudice, whether it's informed by their religion or, or, or their culture or whatever is informing them. The bottom line, whatever informs them, trumps on other people's rights to enjoy the liberty of uh, being married by other civil servants. So I personally applaud that the Constitution takes precedence over everything else, which allows afford everybody access to equality and human dignity. I'm not quite sure if I understand exactly what you're saying, therefore, uh, Reverend. What is your direct answer? 
My correct answer is, if you are a civil servant today, is a South African. And our South African constitution clearly and, 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 and stated very clearly that everyone has a right to human dignity and equality. Now... I, I'm so, for, forgive me, Reverend. Yeah. I don't want you to repeat your intro. I heard it loud and clear. I'm not disputing it for now. Yeah. I'm simply asking you a direct answer. Are you saying these civil servants should not be accorded their liberties? They should. They should not. And my answer is they should not. And if they want to exercise their liberty, they not. They should not be part of... Uh, um, should not be part of South Africa. They must find some place else where their constitution will allow them to trump and violate other people's rights. Okay, let's 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 chew on that, uh, Reverend. Before I give all of the other guests the opportunity, let's just chew on that. So your intro was saying everyone must be accorded the civil liberties as enshrined in the constitution, correct? Yes. And those liberties are for all civil uh, civilians in South Africa, all South Africans, all all yes, all, yes. including yes. civil servants. Yes. But then your direct answer is civil servants should not be accorded their liberties. That's why I said at first, remember, I said it's a very complex question. I understand. I need you to be as direct as possible, Reverend. If we try to simplify them, (laughs) we will need to approach it very complex. Um, Somebody's right must not mean someone else's right must be We got that part, Reverend. I'm simply trying to follow your logic. Your interest said everyone must be accorded their liberties. But the Everyone. final part, the the final part of your response is, except for civil servants, civil servants should not be afforded those civil liberties. Let me make a very simple example. I need you to be very no 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 examples, Reverend. I need you to be direct. Are you saying therefore <laughs> yes? Are you saying yes? Say, civil you, servants you should allow not. Allow me to exercise my right. No no sir, you 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 did get your rights, but you're not responding to the question. I gave you the opportunity. I kept quiet and I allowed you to give your intro and your answer. Now I'm and chewing on what you're saying. Is, I, I, in the context of this conversation, uh, civil servants should not be accorded their rights. All right. Thank you very much. Let's because, move on. I, yeah. I, I got you. I got you. No, no problem, sir. I'm, I'm not disputing. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving you yeah. the opportunity to say it out clearly. All right. Uh, Pastor Swain, um, uh, your take. Should civil servants be given the liberty to say no when they have um, presented with the opportunity to marry same-sex couples? Absolutely, they should, because as has been pointed out, they do have rights under the Constitution. Section 15 of the Constitution specifically protects religious freedom rights. And simply because you are a civil servant does not mean that you automatically should therefore lose your constitutional rights. And if, if that is the case, then one has to ask the question, what price is the state actually paying so that civil servants will not be allowed to exercise their constitutional rights. And I would say that no amount of money will actually be sufficient to make people go contrary to their conscience and belief. And I think, again, to conflate the state with employees of the state is both irrational and unconstitutional. It basically means that all state employees will either have to do whatever the state tells them to do with their constitutional rights effectively being removed, or they will be forced to find a different job. So I, I, I think that that is a very clear summary of the situation vis-a-vis state employees and whether they should have their constitutional rights removed just because they work for the state. But I think the most important principle that is 
that we must highlight here is that, yes, same-sex couples under the Constitution have rights, and those rights were duly and properly recognized in law as a consequence of a constitutional court case called the Faree case. Now, the Faree case was basically a same-sex couple who were unable, under the existing Marriage Act, to have their relationship and their marriage consummated, or not consummated, but uh, solemnized. And as a consequence, uh, the constitutional said that they must be accommodated. And as a result of that accommodation, the Civil Union Act was duly passed. Now, very importantly, in our Constitution, we have no hierarchy of rights. In other words, there is no one single right that, that trumps another right. We are united in our diversity. That is what the Constitution says that we should be, not forced or compelled to do something which is contrary to any of our rights. So in that particular case, in the Farid case, uh, Justice Albie Sachs, who was arguably one of the best constitutional court judges and also, of course, a struggle veteran, said this regarding the rights of state marriage officers. And this is a constitutional court judge speaking in the case that established the Civil Union Act. He said this, the principle of reasonable accommodation could be applied by the state to that civil marriage officers who had sincere religious objections to officiating at same-sex marriages would not themselves be obliged to do so if this resulted in a violation of their mm, conscience. Mm. That is why Section mm. 6 was put in the Civil Union Act. It was specifically so that their rights could be reasonably accommodated. And clearly, Justice Sachs would not have made this recommendation had it amounted to either unfair discrimination, which it does not, or if it was in any way unconstitutional. Okay, I thought you were still continuing. So uh, what exactly are you therefore saying, that um, they must be allowed to say no? Is that your direct answer, Pastor Swain? Absolutely. Their, Their rights to religious freedom must and should be accommodated. Now, clearly... There is a difference between discrimination and unfair discrimination. I understand. Not- I, I, let, let's not go there for now, Pastor Swain. Just, okay. I, I just wanted that clear. So, what happens now when this couple is confronted with the civil servant who is clearly not willing to wed them in terms of the civil union's bill? Doesn't that mean that this uh, same sex couple is going to effectively lose their liberties? Not at all. In fact, this. Civil Union Amendment Bill adds absolutely zero rights to same-sex couples. What it effectively does is it removes the right to conscientious objection, in other words, religious freedom rights, from state-employed marriage, and also, by the way, from ex-officio magistrates. So this does not add anything. It simply subtracts. And the problem here was actually a practical problem. As, as the Minister of Home Affairs himself said, they, they needed to come up with practical solutions to what was a practical problem. And the practical problem was that in certain areas it was difficult for same-sex couples to find a marriage officer who did not conscientiously object. But there are many ways that you can get around that. For example, you can have, as is the case in the, the justice system generally, where areas where there are no courts, for example, they have circuit courts, they have circuit judges who go to those places to ensure that the right to justice is available to all. Alternatively, you could deploy specifically marriage license officers who were willing to solemnize or even employ such officers who were willing to solemnize same-sex marriages. So it wasn't a question of, 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 of a winner-takes-all situation, which is exactly what we now face. I understand. I need you to just respond to that part there. Pastor, that, that part uh, is very important. 
in the event that tomorrow morning, for example, there is a couple that goes to home affairs, is given the form, fills in the form, given a date, and when they arrive on the day of that date, they are told uh, the individual that was supposed to wed you and officiate or solemnize your marriage is not willing. This is one of those conscientious objectors. What then happens to the same-sex couple? Well, clearly you will have an appointment to be married and you will find out before you arrive whether or not there is somebody who can or will marry you under that instance. But it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that, Pastor. What happens is that you are given a date. You go and fill out a form. They give you a date on which you're going to come back. You come on that date, you and your witnesses and your partner, and then you wait for the 9 o'clock appointment that you've been given. And then when your name is called, you appear in that particular office here in Renberg, if you're now in Santon, wherever, which home affairs department you want to go to. And then my question is, on that date, the officer who's on duty, on the date who's supposed to be the marriage officer for your wedding, turns out to be a conscientious objector. My question is, what then do we do? Well, I think, again, what you're saying is that the Department of Home Affairs is not doing its job properly. Okay. The Department of Home Affairs' job is to make sure that there is somebody who is willing to solemnize that uh, particular relationship. So, again, it's a practical problem which demands the Department of Home Affairs state to come up with a practical solution. Removing the conscientious objection rights from state marriage license offices is not the solution. It is a winner-takes-all. We're not suggesting that at all for now. Of rights problem. We're not suggesting that at all, Avir uh, Pastor. We simply need some, a practical solution to the situation because whilst you are both talking about the civil liberties, it, it's, it's, it's a practical matter that on every other day you will find a couple that wants to be wedded will file for that date, get that date and come. Uh, but then again, the problem is these conscientious objectors. And I'm so what you're saying is it, it, it touche if the uh, Home Affairs Department has not done their job. Touche. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is, is that, that is obviously very regrettable. But do you have a specific example of that? Uh, because I am not aware of specific instances where something like that happened. And if it did, I will only repeat that it is the Department of Home Affairs who must provide the service. I understand. They are, they are in, surely, they, they surely, Pastor, you are aware that these events do happen. You may not be aware of one right now, but they do happen. That's why we're raising the question. Are you suggesting, therefore, in the event that this happened, even if it's one in a million times, that one time, are you suggesting the couple must just green and bear it? It is a very unfortunate situation. But as I say, they, it does not remove their right to solemnize their, their wedding. It might cause them inconvenience. It might cause them you know, distress. But it is simply a practical issue. And it is the Indeed. Department of Home Affairs who must resolve the problem. And, it and is not resolved by removing the rights of state-employed Of course, Of course. It's a practical issue. Exactly, Pastor. It's a practical issue that arises from all these liberties. And unfortunately, uh, both of you gentlemen have forgotten about Section 36. And I was hoping that perhaps one of you would raise the issue of Section 36 because after all is said and done, if this matter ends up before a magistrate or a high court judge, depending on the stakes at play, uh, it, it will come to Section 36. Whose right is going to be infringed upon, isn't it? Well, Section 36 says that the state must use or the law must use the least restrictive or the less restrictive means to achieve the purpose. Indeed. In other words, in other words, find a practical solution. 
a practical solution is certainly less restrictive than simply eliminating the rights of state licensed marriage officers. All right. Um, I want to read it to everybody so that everyone understands why I am raising 36. Because after all is said and done, when we claim our liberties, we tend to mistakenly assume that our liberties are inalienable by any means necessary. That is not entirely correct. I'm going to read Section 36 of the Constitution. It's entitled Limitation of Rights. It's generally called by legal eagles the Limitation Clause. I'm going to read verbatim. There's two points there. Uh, 36.1 says the rights in the Bill of Rights may be limited only in terms of law of general application to the extent that the limitation is reasonable and justifiable in an open and democratic society based on human dignity, equality, and freedom, taking into account all relevant act factors, including the nature of the right, the importance of the purpose of the limitation, the nature and extent of the limitation, the relation between the limitation and its purpose, and less restrictive means to achieve the purpose. That's what Pastor Swain was mentioning. E, 36.1E, and probably forgot about A, B, C, and D. Two says, except as provided in subsection one or in any other provision of the Constitution, no law may limit any right entrenched in the Bill of Rights. Here lies the issue. What happens if your right falls under these rights that will be infringed or limited in one way or the other? Let's bring in the evangelist to uh, chew on this matter as well. You got the question, evangelist. Should civil servants be allowed to say no to marrying same-sex <coughs> couples? My, my my take is you cannot say you are correcting an injustice when you, in the process of doing that, you are creating another injustice by forcing conscience on another, thereby discriminating against that, that particular one and infringing on their own rights and liberties. You can't do that. It is, the onus is on the, on, the, on the government to make sure that they provide the necessary services if they want to marry same-sex people, but not forcing people of faith to enter into those things. Because according to us, we believe marriage is between a male and a female. So that belief is very strong in our own faith, and it cannot be tempered with. It should be respected because that is our right and it's our liberty as well. It's a moral standard as far as we are concerned. And a moral standard is the way we live our lives. And we cannot be forced to wed people of the same-sex marriage, which we don't believe in. Okay. Um, before I, I, I engage you there, uh, Evangelist, I want to open the lines to any and everyone who'd like to join in this conversation. The lines are open 0891-104-207. 0891-104-207. If you prefer to send a text message, you can send that to 41391. Or perhaps you can find us on social media at SFM Radio, at SFM Radio. And the hashtag is hashtag SFM Facts of Faith. Hashtag SFM Facts of faith. Those of you who prefer to send voice notes or send text messages, send your voice note to 0614 Please keep it under a minute so I can accommodate as many voice notes as possible. If you prefer to send a text on WhatsApp, 
please try and keep it as brief as you can. Right. All right. Evangelist, I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting we, you are chewing in something that is already a foregone conclusion. I didn't hear any of our previous guests suggesting that uh, your beliefs are not important and you should be forced um, uh, perhaps Reverend Moema um, may have intimated something to that effect, but I, he don't explicitly say that. If we all agree that your faith is whatever it is, you believe whatever you want to believe, uh, let's move from that premise. Why then, okay. what then would you suggest be done in the event that you, as Evangelist Zinumwe, you are an employee of Home Affairs and you have to abide by the precepts and the prescripts of the constitution under which you are employed yourself. What do you do as a conscientious objector, as an individual that believes whatever you believe? What do you do when you now work for an institution like Home Affairs that doesn't believe all of that? Your beliefs are yours. They're not Home Affairs beliefs. Yes, I do hear you. I understand. But uh, the, the onus should be on the government itself to provide for for for, for 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 the rights of all people, it must have a mechanism of how they are going to solve that problem. That problem does not lie at the doorstep of the believer; it lies on the government. The government is the one that, when it makes such laws like that, there is evangelist. There is that. There is that uh, uh, mechanism. There is a mechanism that is supposed to work. I'm not disputing that. What I'm asking is. In the event that that mechanism, as all human ingenuity does fall short at some point, all schedules, all rosters, as you call them, do fall apart sometime. What happens when the person who was supposed to be on duty has coronavirus? And the only person who is on duty on that day where I am supposed to be getting wedded and I so happen to want to marry a male, what then? And I find Eastern Zanumwe there. Should Eastern Zanumwe deny me my right because he's nurturing his? Yes. Yes. Why? Yes. That's Why? Very, Why, that's very correct. Why, Evangelist? That's very, that's very correct because, because I have my own belief. I've got my own conviction. I've got my own moral standards, right? You cannot tell me that marriage of same-sex people should supersede my, my own right. Why must, it, why must be the LGBT uh, shove down the, 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 the queer practices on, on, on everyone else? Why must it be like that? Let me remind you again, uh, Evangelist. We are talking about yes. a group of people who are equal to you in terms of the Constitution. Now, the yes. question that I'm asking you is, why would you raise or elevate your liberties above their liberties and yet in terms no, of the constitution I'm, you're all I'm, supposed I'm to be equal mine. I'm, not, I'm not elevating mine now. but you are I am saying I am saying mine should be taken care of I, I don't know you know what I'm not even concerned about those liberties because they are totally against my religious beliefs so it is the onus of the government itself to make provisions as and when they meet such, such, such things not me I, I understand there, Evangelist. I, I was yeah. hoping that we were going to move on from this, uh, just get to the nub of the issue. We understand I, that there is a process and those processes should, on any other day, should work. But in the yeah. event they don't, we still have to serve and service the needs of our citizens. And the question that I'm asking you is, which right 
or how do we deal with these equal rights in terms of the Constitution? Your rights and the rights of the couple that is before you. How do we service both of them? If, if, if according to the current uh, Constitution, there is no way of, 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 of respecting both rights, then they must go back to the drawing board. If the government wants to respect the LGBT rights, then they must go back to the drawing board and come up with a constitution that will respect both the believers' rights and the, 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 the LGBT. That, that's, that's not for us as believers. I'm going to try that's once again, evangelist. I'm going to move on. I'm, I'm suggesting to you that in the event that, for example, Joey is not a, con- a conscientious objector, Joey was scheduled yeah. to be there on the day when Naye and Sylvester, Sylvester is my technical producer, are supposed to be wedded. Joey is scheduled there and she is ready, willing and able to wed the same sex couple. But on the day when Joey is supposed to be conducting this wedding, where Naye and Sylvester are supposed to be getting wedded, Joey falls sick due to coronavirus. And Eastern Zanuma has to stand in for Joey. The question that I'm asking is, what then do we do then? No, no I'm, I'm going to continue to say the same thing. My rights cannot be infringed upon. What do you, What are you proposing, evangelist? Give us a solution. We I, understand you. I'm, I'm proposing that me as a believer who lives according to the scriptures that I believe in, my rights in that respect must be respected. Okay, so you don't want to answer the question. I respect that, evangelist. All right. As I said, the lines are open 0891 It's a very uncomfortable conversation to have because everyone is claiming their rights for themselves. No one is thinking of the next person. Whatever happened to that African adage, that African quality of saying, I'm going to think for the next person, the best interests of my fellow man. It would appear as though everyone, including the religious leaders in our panel tonight, everyone is thinking about themselves and not about their fellow men. Let's go back to Reverend Moem. Reverend, I'm, I'm listening to your contemporaries speaking first. I want to give you the opportunity to rebut, and then I'll engage you. I'll engage you. Go ahead. Let me say this from my experience as a reverend, and um, I've married a lot of LGBTI couples. I, I have experienced a situation where they've been Hustle from one home affairs to the other just to find an officer to office their marriage to the line. Reverend, are you still there? Reverend? Can you hear me? I can now. Yes, say that, can say that again. Can you hear me? I can now. I can now, Reverend. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, Reverend, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. From, from my experience, as a reverend, and I've married many LGBTI couples. Um, my experience is that with uh, this, um, the previous law that allowed folks to exercise their religious rights, so many people have been prejudiced, and they've had to be taken from helter scatter just to find one officer who could officiate their marriage. Others have to wait. For 120, I remember numerous times when I had to, to write to regional offices and say, please find us one person to just officiate this couple. Can you imagine that these people are living in South Africa and their constitution says every civil servant should live in a by the Constitution of South Africa. It doesn't say and that, sir. Yes. No, sir. Th- th- yes? Th- there is no law that says that. 
You're misrepresenting the law. There's no law that says everyone is supposed to do. There's no such thing. Well, not everyone. People will always uh, make their own exception. But the Constitution says no one should be prejudiced. Correct. Because because of their gender, their orientation, their race, or their spiritual belief, or whatever. They shouldn't be prejudiced. Correct. Everybody must have equal access to the services offered by civil servants. Correct. Correct. All right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I was just bothered by one thing that you said that I was hoping you'd clarify there, Reverend. You said if a person who so happens to object, this conscientious objector, this person who so exercises his or her own civil liberty enshrined in the very same constitution, when that person decides they are going to say no, that person should not live in this country. Do you remember you said that, Reverend? Yeah, and I will say it again. Hired by an organization that stated unequivocal to you that you must uphold the constitution of the country. Rather, look for employment elsewhere where you will exercise your rights. Are you not, not in the space. Are you not contradicting not in the space yourself? Not right? home affairs. Leave home affairs. Find some place else where they will indulge you. But in home affairs, you are exposed to other people who are looking for their rights and they must have their rights. Are you not contradicting yourself there, Reverend, when you're saying those people, when they're exercising their civil liberties, they should not, quite frankly, they should leave home affairs? Let, let, let us unpack this and let's go slowly. When you are hired as a civil servant, they read you the Constitution first. That you are going to abide by the Constitution above everything else that you believe in. And when you write your, 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 your appointment, when you accept your appointment letter and write your, 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 your agreement and say, yes, I agree, you are binding yourself to the Constitution of South Africa. Everything else collapses. That's not true, sir. That's, again, a misrepresentation of our law. There is nowhere where every Are you says, sure? Are you sure? Reverend, Are you sure? Reverend, let me remind you again. This is something that you should already know. There is no way the Constitution can say all rights are equal and then the very same Constitution says everything else collapses. That's a false statement of our law. The law of this country says while your liberties may contradict my liberties, there must be a way of equally respecting both liberties. It doesn't say you must collapse yours except for Section 36. You're misrepresenting the law, sir. I'm going to give you the opportunity to take a stab at that again after the break. Stand by. Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith Welcome back, we're taking your calls 0891 104 Reverend, you want to go take a shot at it again? Yes, I'm here I'm here Yes. Would um, you like to rephrase what you want to say or you stand by what you said? I understand what I'm saying and I, I'm fully cognizant of the, the, the constitution What I'm saying is that if I'm going to take an employment in a corporation where their mission statement is we must achieve a cohesive society by giving everyone their right equally without trumping the other, I must go consciously knowing that sometimes in some way I have to pack my own beliefs that will prejudice the people that I'm going to be serving. And if I feel so strong 
that my own belief system for the function of my job are going to trump or put other people under the bus, I would rather not take that appointment. Okay. All right. Got it. I want to take some calls for you, gentlemen. Let's go to Moses in Limpopo. Moses, good evening. Yes, it's Moses in Limpopo, school. How are you? Well, thank you, Moses. Go ahead. So I just want to be very brief. Thank you. And, uh, yes, the gentleman who started to speak uh, said something about the love of God. And, uh, yes, I, I understand. You know, it's like a coin. A coin. If you, if you know one side of the coin and you don't know the other side of the coin, you actually don't know the coin. Because God is love, we have to know the love of God, and we also have to know the wrath of God. Now, uh, I just want to read three verses and, and close up. Uh, from Romans chapter 1, verse 26, 27, and 28. Here it goes. For this, for, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, bend in their lust one to another, uh, men with men working that which is unfeelingly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, error which was meat, 28, the last one, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a, a, a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Yes, they have right. Let's say, for instance, I am a marriage officer in the civil, uh, in the, in the civil uh, department as a marriage officer. Here they come, being two, and they want me to marry them. But now, because of uh, I'm the worker there, or uh, I'm in that department, I will just uh, sign for them to get married. But this doesn't mean anything. They have the right to violate God's law, but they will have the reward. God bless you. All right. I'm not sure which law are you referring to, sir. Which law are you referring to? Which, uh, which law have which they law? violated? They are violating God's law according to where which, I just read. That, that, that was not a law, sir. But let, let's let, let's let's refer to the verse. Let's let's address the verse that you're talking about. That verse is not referring to marriage yes. at all. That verse is referring to people who were engaging in lustful activity. Now we're talking about marriage. Yes. People, not people who just want to sleep with each other. We're talking about people who want to solemnize their uh, encounters with marriage. They want to get married. Is there a verse that will address yes. the issue of marriage? No, I do understand because before they get married, they are lusting one to another. The Bible says very clearly, men lusting uh, uh, for another man. I understand, so they sir. They come to the marriage officer. Sir, I, I understand. I'm talking about people who are not lusting now, who don't want to burn with lust. They want to be in union in a marriage. Do you have a verse that would address marriage? Because that, yes. that verse you quoted there doesn't address marriage. It simply addresses lust. Can I I'll, I'll, gi I'll give you a chance, evangelist. Go ahead. Go ahead, Moses. Do you have a verse for marriage? Yes. Go ahead. Okay, what what verse? Yes, thank you very much. The Bible states very clearly that man has to marry a woman. All right. Where, do, where does it say that? Where does it say that? Where does it say that, Moses? 
I beg you. Where does it say a man must marry a woman? Okay, it's very clear. The Bible says when Adam was created, he was not Adam, Adam and uh, uh, John. It was <laughs> Adam and Okay, Eve. so can we agree that in that verse... It, that's yeah, common, yeah, that's I, I, sense. I, I understand that that sense is common to you. I offer you different common senses, but that's not my issue now. So what you're saying is because in the Bible it was Adam and Eve, a male and a female, yes. therefore you're suggesting it means a man must marry a woman. That's your conclusion. That's, yes, that's what the Bible says. Okay, so according to that very same analogy, and I'd like to follow it strictly, if we're talking about Adam and Eve, it therefore must follow that because Adam and Eve were of the very same hue, nature, race, and everything, therefore they must be of the same race. You're against multiracial marriages. Multiracial marriage? No, I'm really not against that. Multiracial. But, no, but as far as the, as far as that example is concerned, of Adam and Eve, Eve came directly from Adam. The very same genetic makeup of Eve is that of Adam. And quite frankly, mm. you must then for your logic must then follow that anything that deviates from the ordination of Adam and Eve is therefore wrong. If you're going to use that for gender-based marriages, no. But now the fact is that uh, uh, you know the Bible. Hey, I was just read it said very okay. clearly that those people are against God's law. Well, it doesn't say that, sir. But I, I understand where you're coming so, from. It doesn't say it, they, they, they go against God's law. All right, but I, I hear you. I understand what you where you're coming from. Thank you very much, Moses. Appreciate your call, sir. God bless you so much. All right, let's go to Colin. Colin. Um, uh, or maybe if Colin's going to complain, uh, let's just hold on. Colin, just hold on. I'm going to take a break now and come back, give you a chance because I've got a minute remaining before I go to the break. Uh, hold on, Colin. We'll take your call after the break. Stand by. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. Let's go to Colin. Colin, you can go ahead. <coughs> I wonder, are you supposed to listen to your callers or confuse your brain? <laughs> I'm supposed to engage them. <laughs> I'm supposed to engage my callers. <laughs> <laughs> because I wonder, so I mean, I must probably go put the head on the pillow and say, that Naya, no, no, I'm going to prove he's wrong or whatever it is. But anyway, mm. Naya, I heard one of your guests talking about the Constitution. The Constitution was... Uh, done by the government. You know, four or five, six top guys got together, government. Now, they protect your religion and things like that, and the rights of your, your religion and that. Now, what confuses me, uh, if, if I'm a minister and I don't want to marry a same-sex couple, and leaks out in the papers and things like that. And then the government's against me. But one minute they tell, tell us, respect each other's religions. So I, my, my religion says, no ways you do that. But I'm in hot water if I don't. 
So where do we draw the line now? Can, can your guest please try and explain that to me, man? Should there not have been a clause, give a person a right that does not want to marry same-sex uh, couples? I think, they, uh, I, th- I think they, they already answered that question. I, th- I think Pastor Swain clarified it. That there is a mechanism. However, those mechanisms don't always work, as you've heard, Reverend Moem. Uh, so it's a s- somewhat of a catch-22 situation. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of a, like a contradict- uh, contradiction, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, uh, one minute the government says you, you may not... Um, uh, um, I got you. I got you. on anybody's religions and things like that. And the next minute, they, they force me to marry somebody. That's infringing on my religion. They, they don't force you. No, they, they don't no, force well, you. But it's in a newspaper and, and you're going through hell for right. a week or two. All right. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Colin. Appreciate your call, respect, sir. Respect my views. You know what I mean? Got it. Got it, sir. Let's move on to Nathan Nikkei. Good evening, Nathan Nikkei. Good evening, Chief May. How are you? Well, thank you, Chief Nathan. How are you doing? I'm okay. Mine is short. Eh? Mm. Culture, laws, norms in religions should not be interfered by homosexuals or lesbians. The thing is, Mr. Nair, let me give you a small example. If I go to marry in a Muslim family, they tell me, please, go and bring the dowries which you wish is good. Then I pick my pig, I bring it to them. What do you think might happen? So lesbians, let's be married, but the government should put the laws whereby they should be not by the people who are lesbians or homosexuals, but not within the regions or home affairs. If my consent tells me that I should not do it, I can't do it. Yeah, no one is forcing you there, Nathan. I got you. Got you. Thank you very much. Appreciate your call. Oh, oh. All right. I'm going to give my guests now an opportunity to rebut all this and give their final uh, comments. I'm going to begin with Pastor Swain. Pastor Swain, you're listening to the comments coming through from your contemporaries. Your response is your parting shot. Go ahead. Let's get back to one that you said. If you come to a home affairs office and for some reason that there is nobody there to solemnize your same-sex marriage then obviously it's distressing, but effectively what's happened is that you've experienced a delay in the exercise of your rights. If you are a state marriage license officer and you are forced to solemnize that marriage, your rights haven't been delayed. They have been eliminated. They have been overridden. And I think the danger of overriding conscientious objection, apart from the fact that it is completely contrary to what Justice Albie Sachs said in the Constitutional Court judgment when he said that their religious freedom rights of state marriage officers could be reasonably accommodated, is this. Where does that logically end? And I'm glad you used the logic uh, during your questions and the way that you've conducted this debate. What do you say, for example, to uh, state-employed people, uh, doctors specifically, uh, or medical students, who also could potentially be compelled to perform an abortion because yes. there is an abortion act in this country. Indeed. People, women have a right to that. Do you eliminate their constitutional rights to consciously object to doing what they believe might be considered to be a murder? And I think here's the, here's the crux of the dilemma. You should never be placed in a position whereby you have to make a choice between do you obey the state or your employer in this instance 
with potentially immediate secular consequences. You could lose your job, or as the other speaker said, go and get another job, mm, versus mm. your eternal consequences that you may face by doing something that violates your sincerely held convictions and beliefs. Got it, and that got it. should never be a situation. It should not be a winner-take-all. Got it, got it, Pastor Swain. the issue we face here. Lovely. Delay, but don't deny. Got it, loud and clear. Evangelist, your parting shot. One minute, please. Go ahead. The, the, the love of Yahweh is not lawlessness and the wickedness. It is about living according to his law, according to his principles that he has clearly enunciated in the scriptures. And he says, and he answered, Matthew chapter, chapter 19, verse 4, and he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And saved for this cause that a man shall leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife who is female. And they too shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore Allahim has joined together, let no man put asunder. As far as believers are concerned, we believe that marriage is between a male and a female. Got it, and got it. This cannot be shoved down our throats just because the LGBT want to practice their queer practices. Got it, got it. Thank you very much, Evangelist. I heard you loud and clear. Uh, Reverend Moema, you've got a minute. Go ahead. Your parting shot. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm glad I've had people uh, stating their own views about queer marriages. And let me put something here that a lot of people may not know who are students of the Bible, just to deviate a bit. Uh, A lot of people are aware that the very same Bible we're reading, the word homosexual only came in in 1946. And... In 1980, was only seen in the German Bible. So if we have to go to Mexicans, we'll find that a lot of atrocities and a lot of injustice that has been done to queer people has been done because of interpretation mis- and misinterpretation and understanding um, of the very right. word of God that is supposed Reverend, we have to, to leave it right us. there. Our, our time is up. Thank you very much for coming through and talking to us, to all three of my guests, Reverend Tebo Moema, Easton Zanuma, the evangelist, and also Pastor Michael Swain. To all three of you gentlemen, thank you very much for coming through and talking to us. We always appreciate your insights. Reverend, perhaps we might have to invite you once again to talk to us about your theology and your interpretation, your exegesis and hermeneutic. Very interesting to hear, especially where you got your stuff from. On that note, from me, Nayelu Pondwana, and the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed.